0: I can try to go first, sure. want? Okay. Unless someone sure. else. Okay. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Brother Fulfillment, officially. Uh, I'm a Buddhist monastic. Most people call me Brother Man. Uh, man is close to the Vietnamese word for fulfillment, but it has a different accent. But Brother Man seems to work well. And I am in the order of interbeing as a monastic member ordained by Thich Nhat Han, 2007. looks like yes, 2007. I have been more and more thinking about what I do as just listening to people and myself as a practice. Um, from a place of embodiment, I think, is where I'm exploring that, what it means to have different body sensations and emotional states arising in connection to other people. I live in, uh, I'm also very uh, interested in bringing that intersection of that kind of listening and how it relates to trauma, healing, into the realm of social justice work, into our activism, social justice listening, (laughs) maybe I would call it. Uh, I live here, I live in New York City, uh, land of the Lenape peoples, um, which means people, but um, they're, they're known by that name, Lene Lenape. And um, I've been here since October. I came to be part of a group called the Extinction Rebellion. I felt called to get uh, engaged around the climate and ecological crisis, which also has dimensions of uh, social and racial justice. Into Obviously, it's interwoven kind of dimensions. but That's where I started. and. I'm very active in that group. There's a group called Mindful Rebels, which is a bit of a funny name, but um, I like to think of it as a group that's in resistance to the forces of harm, both but starting from what's within our kind of disconnection from our own strong feelings, inability to manage strong forces, but then taking creative spaces of care out into the streets so we've done some public meditations and now there's a group that also has had this idea that's called meditating for black lives that meditates in brooklyn that we've kind of well a lot of us are white so i'll just name that in this group and our whole organization is undergoing a process of trying to reckon with that and do anti-racism training, understand the dimensions of that, but also the willingness to be uncomfortable in these kind of dynamic spaces where people are calling out injustice or naming it, sitting with it. So a lot of us have been engaged with that kind of activity. Maybe that's enough for me to just say hi. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you
1: Thank you, Taifant Man Joanne, would you be willing to go next?
2: Sure Hello To all of you I can see and all of you I cannot see I um, I live in outside of uh, a small town, 15,000 people, Ukiah, California. Ukio is uh, the Pomo word for uh, deep valley, and uh, our demographic is about one third uh, Latino, one. 20th uh, native population, Pomo, and uh, a large portion of uh, white folk. Uh, very rural, uh, about two hours from San Francisco by car. And um, I've been a psychotherapist here for the last 30 some years, now I'm not counting anymore. Uh, about Seven or eight years ago, I um, I quit doing that work on an individual level. I felt like that uh, there needed to be some um, training of people as uh, crises seem to be coming more and more steadily and uh, fires and... Uh, oppression of our uh, Latino population who do not actually relate to the word Latinx um, So uh, I started working uh, with a, a model called the community resiliency model, which is heavily based on the somatic experiencing but uh, also just so akin to the Buddhist psychotherapy model that uh, it was very compelling and uh, to de-Buddhify that that approach so that people who are uh, not inclined to uh, seek out or trust psychotherapy Uh, or who don't want to identify as there's something wrong with them could begin to have the skills or augment the skills or recognize the skills that they already had and use them more uh, deliberately uh, for being more resilient to the increasing traumas and crises. This is a, a community that has a pretty much uh, 100% trauma because of wildfires and uh, very complex trauma because of uh, the injustice of immigration and uh, um, socioeconomic oppression. I, so I've worked uh, with adults uh, for many years, also with children, and uh, spent uh, five or six years Uh, doing the same work in a bilingual, bicultural elementary school here in town, public. So, uh, also been uh, doing some of that work in the West Bank with Melanie and in Israel. And um, excited to see how cross-culturally this is uh, so... um, effective and uh, appreciated as long as we don't use words that are um, hyperallergenic. So uh, that's enough for me and uh, look forward to the rest of this conversation. Thanks. Okay,
1: Um, Maver would you like to go next?
3: Sure, I'd be happy to. Hello, everyone. Um, my name, can you hear me?
1: Uh, you might bring the microphone a little closer. Sure. Yeah.
3: Is, this, is this better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my name is Never de la Cruz. I am um, a visiting professor of dance at Scripps College. I am currently talking to you from Claremont, California, which is the land of the Tongva people. I am also john's next door next door neighbor <laughs> um, and um and i'm I'm not very familiar with Buddhism, but I'm so honored to be invited to be here um, I have been uh, a student and practitioner of dance for the last twenty five years and um, and started my my journey in dance. Uh, really um, teaching uh, what at the at the time were were labeled at risk youth, and um, and also uh, working women's shelters and working within the Dominican community in Boston, which is my community, and um, and so that work uh, became eventually more important than my nine to five job. So I I left my nine to five, five job to, to train myself to be a full-time dance instructor because I, I saw the power um, of what I could accomplish, uh, sharing movement with different communities. Um, so I have been involved in a number of projects in the US and in Cuba, uh, working primarily with women um, teaching dance and working through ideas of empowerment and social justice. And I see myself as a practitioner um, uh, who, in my performance work and in my teaching, I, um, I'm i definitely centering activism, centering ideas of justice, centering ideas um, of community building through my practice Um, so i don't know what else i can say at this time but oh well i will after after all of you guys speak i guess my role here will be to talk a little bit more about those connections that i see um between movement as dance and movement for justice and um and perhaps invite us all into into a shared, very easy, I promise practice that you could potentially do sitting from where you are, so um, so th- I will I will take a turn at the end, but um, I'm very, very happy to be here to listen and learn from all of you. Thank you, John, for inviting me.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Mava. Um, Melanie, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
3: Sure.
4: Hi everyone, my name is Melanie Jin. I am currently on land which was um, once populated by the Olone people, and specifically on groves of oak trees. And um, I'm interested in the intersection of tech education, uh, trauma and resiliency, um, and social justice. And the things I've done in my life kind of reflect this overlap so I'm trained as a software engineer um, I also um, have been practicing Buddhism for the last eight or nine years um, primarily in Soto Zen and Thich Nhat Hanh traditions and um, right now there's three things I wanted to highlight that I've been working on the first is that I run uh, uh, tech education company based in Palestine that combines um, digital literacy skills with well-being um, education so that um, folks in Palestine are getting access to um, hard skills that enable them to find employment posts working with us, but also develop the well-being and mindfulness skills to um, Handle the difficulty arising um, in their external environments. So that's one thing that I've been working on. Um, another thing is um, Joanne and I. Joanne and I have been collaborating on um, delivering community resiliency model trainings, um, both in the West Bank and in Israel, and now virtually in virtual space. So. Um, To me, the interesting question in this model is, um, I kind of see prior to coming to a place of mindfulness where I can look at my emotions with some distance and understand them and process them, there's a bit of a a gap. Um, So maybe I'm like feeling extraordinarily angry and I need to get from anger to mindfulness. To me, there's, I don't just, Make that jump easily. There needs to be some sort of bridge between that overwhelming initial emotion and the ability to process in a rational state. And the community resiliency model is, is that for me and I've seen this work for many other people as well. So that was what initially interested me and why I'm so happy to be continuing that work with Joanne and other spaces. Um, And then the third thing that I've been working on is Uh, A bit more recent, um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, I've gotten involved in something called Sit, Walk, Listen. I'm one of the lead organizers, along with another wake-up friend. And Sit, Walk, Listen is an event held in public space in support and in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. We do uh, about a two-hour gathering of sitting meditation, walking meditation and listening circles where people from various communities who may not know each other have the ability to see each other face to face and speak about whatever's on their heart in regards to racial and social uh, inequity or moving to a state of greater justice. So that's been going on now for a couple of months. Um, It's been quite a journey. Uh, We now have uh, events happening in sister chapters in New York and uh, in different parts of the San Francisco Bay Area um, and we're continuing that work too. Um, so I think that's a good introduction to the work that I've been doing and happy to engage in the conversation. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you Melanie. Um, okay so my first question is for Joanne. Um, um we've been talking for a number of years about um a popular education model of Buddhism that could be helping people to uh work with trauma. And then um and then Joanne has been you've been doing the the community resiliency model training uh leading groups in those workshops. And so one thing that a theme that we've talked about from time to time is the idea that instead of like somebody going through one-on-one therapy for a long period of time to completely heal from as much of their trauma as possible, um, looking at a model that's more group-based or community-based and, and the idea of like a good enough, uh, level of healing, a good enough level of, uh, you can, um, have meaningful relationships with people. You can, um, w- well, I guess I'm, I'm interested in just hearing your, what you mean by saying good enough, uh, and how that works in terms of the community level work or also the idea of community level transformation or, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you can just unpack what you mean by, uh, good enough, as opposed to like, the idea of like just one-on-one therapy where one person is um, getting all the nooks and crannies of their issues as opposed to, because that takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of money. And it's like, somehow we need to provide as a culture for each other, more space for healing that um, is more accessible. And um, yeah, okay. I, I'm saying a lot of words, but do you get one? <laughs>
2: I get what you mean, but I think that's the answer uh, <laughs> <in> that question. <laughs> um, you know, Melanie uh, referred to uh, that gap. And uh, how do you go from uh, being really dysregulated to uh, being regulated enough to call on your strengths? And I think that's the enough is, uh, first of all, knowing what your strengths are um perhaps uh, beefing them up and then knowing when you're not able to access them and knowing how to get there and uh, that's not so terribly difficult and i guess the way to know is if you feel like you're functioning okay and if you can uh, work collaboratively with your fellow community members in order to uh, move forward to accomplish what uh, you're aware of are your, your main goals.
1: And um, so then could you say more than about the CRM work, the, the, the technique and um, just your experience in that training and providing that training?
2: Well, um, it's very body based. If you want to talk in Buddhist language, it's really um, looking at how the body informs each of the parts of the skandhas, um, noticing uh, how to regulate your body so it is in balance. Uh, one minute. Um, are you done pounding? <laughs> no, um, maybe you could wait for just a few minutes. A few minutes. <laughs> well, we have a house with no walls, so um, the blender was about to go off after the hammers. So, um, so uh, first, There's a process of uh, becoming in touch with the body and really learning how our culture tries to uh, have us focus anywhere but the body. And so to just have, if you wanna call it a meditation practice of getting in touch with the body in the body. And to know that uh, we don't always feel Uh, all the parts of our body, there's nothing wrong with us, but we're we're ramping up our ability to be in touch because the subtle messages of whether we're really in balance or not are really subtle. And so we need to be able to pay attention to what's going on out there and also what's going on inside. Um, And we talk a great deal about what trauma is in a very simple way to make trauma a part of the natural human condition and that people should be able to recognize when they're in balance, when they're not in balance, what part of their nervous system is being activated and how to regulate it. So we do it by being in touch with the body, being in touch with grounding, being in touch with then Uh, images or stories that help regulate the body and that you can feel as you develop your concentration in either the body or the these images how that helps the body restore itself and to become self-referential not looking to somebody else to say oh is this anxiety no what are you noticing so uh, it's also a process of pointing out, wow, look, you already figured this out, you just weren't quite aware of it. And so building that trust in our own innate ability to balance ourselves, to heal ourselves, and this doesn't preclude deep healing, but it might be deep healing over a longer period of time, and it's not the point. We're not always trying to like dig around and see if there are any more shards of trauma. They come up. We notice them and we work with them as they come up. We don't have to dig at them. Uh, mostly we're, we're uh, looking at right effort where we are watering those wholesome seeds to be able to be more resilient to, to help create... A, a um, uh, senior moment. Um, the things that fight off infection.
1: Like an antibody? Or...
2: No, no. Uh, our immune system. So we have an emotional immune system as well as, as a physical one. And they have a, an interbeing nature. And so really beefing that up. And then learning how, when you have bigger issues, you can chip away at them little by little. And uh, you can not only learn it, but you can then, as soon as you have the experience in your own body, turn around and teach someone else. So that this is not a, uh, even a one on 10, let's say you have 10 in the class, Uh, That evening, they go home to five other people and then you have uh, one on 50. And perhaps that person uh, develops those skills. They don't need to have a lot of uh, education. They need to have the trust of other people. And once they do, and once they have the experience in their own bodies, in their own body-mind, then they're equipped to go out and help a great deal of other people.
1: Um, so then, just as a follow-up the, um the idea of like, the medical model of individual therapy that, oh, there's something wrong with me and I'm not normal and I need to go see somebody to become normal again, as opposed to, uh, well, we all actually have trauma and it's part of, being human. And so it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just as a society, we haven't uh, focused on that as like a general part of our education and culture.
2: Absolutely. And that's not to say all traumas are equal size and equal damage. And that once people recognize how social injustice and oppression create the kinds of symptoms that they may have had in their minds as personal defects or brokenness, it can restore a great deal of self-esteem and a sense of empowerment and connection with other people and an acceptance of, oh, okay, now they're being activated and I can just hold off. So that um, just the educational part can be quite transformative just in itself.
1: Okay, so um, before I ask the next question, is there anybody that would like to respond to what you've heard from Joanne? Brother Brother Fatman, yeah?
0: I'm just so grateful to hear this shared concisely. I think it's really important. And I'm so grateful that work has been Done. I feel like that. I have a sense that I have maybe been recreating the wheel a little bit, and it sounds very similar to what I do in listening circles. But one thing I wanted to add, and I, I guess you might agree, Joanne, but I'd be curious to hear, it was is this sense that the way of like beefing that up is when there's a group of people we can actually lend some when we have this sense of connection we're using the power of connection like our nervous systems link up. It's a very natural process. Like when we have this connected space, safe space, sense of safety in a group that we're actually lending some of our own capacity to do that regulation to others so they can do it. And that helps them build up that uh, strength. So I just wanted to name that is, at least for me, a really important element like this shared nervous system to help each other get there, so yeah
2: see some <laughs> That's okay. the, uh, Interpersonal neurobiology that uh, has become uh, very popular. Uh, a, a wonderful book on that. It's called uh, The Heart of Trauma uh, by Bonnie oh, Badnock. It uh, gives really interesting exercises along with uh, a very good explanation. And uh, this is also part of the training that we do in CRM. We don't go into it uh, with great big words like interpersonal neurobiology. But uh, one aspect of the training is learning how to be with others and help our our, our ability to self-regulate then helps them to self-regulate in the beginning. And that that's really important.
1: So I'm wondering, um, I think this is one of the dangers of Western psychotherapy is, is that it thinks it has discovered something or admitted something that wasn't there before. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm, I'm wondering maybe if, if you find through dance that um, what, we, what has been said so far is, is resonating with you from that experience, from that perspective, so even if you haven't developed a neurobiological technique called community resiliency model, <laughs> um, that, that, that that's what you've been doing. Um,
3: Yeah, it's interesting because in dance, we call it kinesthetic empathy. Um, And it's, um, it's kinesthetic empathy, I guess, is a term emerging from neuroscience and the study of what happens in the brains of people who watch movement and how we are wired to receive movement in an embodied way in a way that actually evokes feelings and emotions and neural um, responses within the body. So when we are uh, moved by movement, by witnessing movement internally, um, this is, is, it is a physical and it is an affective experience. Um, and also there's talking about affect, kind of like the collective aspect of this, right? That, that there's, um, there's shared energy There's uh, in that response that also can incite um, additional feelings. So this is, I feel like, um, why, it, you know, in a lot of ways, I guess, people have been trying to think about why we're so compelled by dance, why we're so compelled by movement and by witnessing movement. And how how is it that we receive um, internally the experience of of watching dance? And a lot of folks might find that um, we wanna dance when we watch others dance. Um, And that's, it is a totally natural human response that we're wired to do. Um, And it is, I think, one of the ways in which we can model um, movement for justice and action, um, using dance. Um, but also we can model joy, love, resilience, um, and, and also these, this is also why and how we learn dance from each other by witnessing, right? We, we witness movement and embody, I mean, it's a very visual and visceral experience. Um, that sharing. So, so yeah, so the, 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 the information that you guys are sharing is resonating. It's absolutely making sense uh, to me as well uh, from, from my experiences of teaching and so much of, um, of dance is not just like the, dance is not just like the technical, physical practice, but there's so much about it that is about the how. Right. It's not just like lift an arm, but it's like, how are you going to choose to lift the arm? Right. So it's about the decision of the how. And in the how um, there is intention, there is timing, there is culture, there is um, there's a sensorial experience. um, There's uh, there's consciousness, there's embodiment. And in that, in sort of making and mapping all of those connections, um, I feel is how we, you know, how we can capture the imagination and how we can elicit um, feelings in other people, right? So it's not so much about like lift your arm, but it's also, you know, the thinking and the process of talking through the choices of how we're going to do that and with what intention. And so, and so I feel like that how is, in a way, the, the link between the physical and spiritual levels of the connection, right, of, of you know, physical and spiritual parts of moving. Um, and there's, uh, for, for choreographers and artists, there's, you know, we spend 100% of our time thinking about that how right, this idea of generating, of like trying to express a concept or an idea, tell a story through movement is, you know, there is limited range of motion to all bodies, but in a way what we're doing in creating work is working through that connection, through that spiritual connection and that sensorial experience to try and find something that allows us to express what we're trying to say. so uh, yeah, kinesthetic empathy is um, is actually a, a term coined by a theorist. Uh, her name is Susan Foster, and she's a um, scholar at UCLA in the World Arts and Cultures program, and uh, is a well-known dance theorist. She's written many books, um, and the the text that this comes from is called Choreographing Empathy, um, where she's working through. Um, all of these ideas of like what dance communicates and how it is received and how we can build um, affect um, from performer to audience and vice versa. And this is often thinking about kind of proscenium stage performances, but I believe it's also true for community dance um, and social dance. I grew up in an, in, a, in a place I grew up in the Dominican Republic we you know there's a lot of social dance and I and I and I believe that the, the ways that dance permeates culture um, in my experience growing up is so much based on um, wanting to feel what others feel when they move and there's something uh, that I'll talk a little bit more about I don't want to take up too much time now but about seducing others into the work of justice for movement. Um, and inviting that idea um, in, in how we move, like making it attractive to do the work of justice and pleasurable and joyful.
1: Thank you. Um, Uh, Melly, I'm wondering uh, if you have a particular response, and if not, I could ask you a question.
4: (laughs) Thanks, John. Yeah, I actually did have a response to um, Maver's share. Um, Thinking more loosely about how my body moves and the way I navigate space, my walking, my stopping, the way that I sleep, it's all a form of dance. It's a, when I can bring conscious intention, kind of what Maver's talking about, the how, into my movement throughout the world, there is this, um, this sharing with the people around me, and um, I, I guess one thing that came to mind is the a way that we uh, hold space in the Sit, Walk, Listen protest. It's very uh, um, considered and and conscious. Um, We have sitting first. So, so often in the work of social justice, there's this, for me, there can be this anger or uh, righteousness about the way that things must be in the world and uh, frustration or impatience that we haven't gotten there yet. Um, and I find the act of sitting down, the act of not moving, to be—it's a as sa, as Tziganut Han says—sitting down can be a revolution. And so, uh, bringing stillness to the body um, and demonstrating that to others can be the first step in um, of transformation and healing. So we start with that, that coming into stillness. Um, and then we go into walking meditation and walking meditation um, in the physical space of sit, walk, listen is a way to shift the energy from an internal experience where we are asking ourselves what's arising in our hearts and transitioning into a place where we're in a community, we're observing our body in relationship to others. And so, um, you know, we have either getting to know the space where we walk and look at murals painted by black artists or we walk in a little a little circle just being with other people and that allows us when we get to the listening circles portion to have energy um, for being with others allowing the energy to settle again to go from a state of non-movement to movement to non-movement um so yeah i think Um, I think about movement a lot and how movement facilitates flow of energy. Um, I think when I, uh, I have a pretty uh, deep somatic practice as well. And it's constantly checking to see where my energy is. And if something in my body feels constricted, trying to figure out how to move from constriction into expansiveness. And I think that's the whole process of of, uh, of learning to develop a sense of equanimity and ease with difficulty. That's the process of meeting my anger or meeting my fear. Like, okay, where is that fear or anger physically located for me? How can I bring attention to that place so that expansion can happen? Um, and uh, allowing that transformation to be a moment by moment, uh, uh, process or like, uh, yeah, healing process, um, is, is what I, I do in my life to transform energy. Um, yeah, I think I'll stop there for now. That's what I have to say about energy and movement. Thank you.
2: Okay.
1: Um, so I know um, Joanne and Melanie and Brother Fulfillment that you've either through CRM or somatic experiencing, you've you've explored those um somatic approaches to trauma. Um and so then what Melanie, what Melanie was talking about of like if there's a feeling of uh intense emotion, then uh coming to the body and being with the body sensation. Um, as a way to feel the emotion, but also at the same time not be overwhelmed by it, I guess would be. Um, so, and then that, that can lead to some kind of organic release. Um, so I'm just wondering what, if you could say more about that, and, and in particular, if you're facilitating a group of people through that practice. So like when you're doing the CRM training or some other kind of practice training um yeah how how do you facilitate people in a group to go through that process uh yeah
4: is this a question for me john just to- it can
1: be yeah Either,
4: yeah 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 mm-hmm. I think everyone um, that I've met or worked with in facilitation or groups, we all have our different ways of being with our bodies and recognizing sensation in the body. So on the spectrum of, um, you know, very aware, able to pinpoint emotion within the body to, you know, some people are completely numb, they don't have that relationship between um, emotion and physicality, like physiological sensation. So it is challenging to do this kind of work in groups because people are on the spectrum of awareness when it comes to sensation. Um, so in trainings, um, I think Joanne spoke about this quite beautifully. Um, the first step is to be familiar with the body from within the body. So um, we uh, start with um Familiarizing people with sensations arising in the body and it can be very, very concrete like let's touch the table that's in front of us. Is it cold or is it hot? Is it soft or hard? Um, And allowing people to experience the external sensation can be helpful in then turning to within their body and saying, okay, I, my foot feels a little bit cold right now and it's resting on a soft carpet. So allowing you to experience the sensation within the body, that's kind of the first step. Before um, getting to any complex emotion or anything like that, experience the sensation of the body. Um, And if possible, um, put a, a label of what the quality of sensation is like. So is it pleasant, is it unpleasant, or is it neutral? It's quite simple, we're not asking people to anything too complex. Um, So that's the foundation for the work that we do in the community resiliency model. Just notice sensation and describe its quality. Um, And from that base, uh, uh, we move into, as Joanne said, um, developing or watering the wholesome seeds, developing the resources, so that people, once they recognize that a sensation is not pleasant, they have the resources available to then go in and take care of that, of that emotion by moving their attention away um, from the difficulty into something that feels pleasant. So that's, uh, I think it's a good introduction to the start of the work. Um, that's how we start our working groups. Um, when I'm working with uh, my Palestinian team, on tech education, I mean, this is an entirely different experience because I'm actually not interacting one to many um, because my team and my students are speaking Arabic. Um, I'm setting up the conditions for well-being, experiences of well-being to take place. But I'm I'm not in there directly speaking with people one-on-one. So what I do there um, is We have uh, activities related to cultivating uh, resources, Um, maybe it's share in your group, one thing that you're proud of, or one thing that went well for you in the past week. Um, uh, And we build upon those week over week. So then at the end of the course, students have this um, suitcase, if you will, of positive experiences, resources that they can point to, whereas maybe they've never had that kind of positive experience or a resource in the past. So we, in recognizing the resources of others, we also are able to build the resources for ourselves. And, and I actually have the students submit questionnaires every week about what resources they've gained so that they can look back as well.
2: Um, Oh. I'd like to add a little bit, if that's okay. Sure, sure. Um, when a trauma, whether it's just something that's small and repetitive or some great big thing happens, and it hasn't been uh, opportune for the body to actually follow through on the impulse to do something, like uh, somebody wants to hit you and they're much bigger than you and you have an impulse to hit back or to run away, but neither of those is is uh, really possible, then that un, uh, unfinished response is stuck in the body. And there's a tendency, to want to, in other times of uh, being activated, to finish off that that response. That's waiting, it's lurking there. And um, there's a question as to um, whether you should uh, run or pound pillows or uh, scream or cry, and whether that's beneficial, whether that's um, Dumping the energy and uh, I th- I think all of those are possibilities of whether it's skillful or unskillful and uh, Depending upon the, the level of tolerance a person has they they it might be skillful to um, To scream and get that out uh, it might be uh, more skillful at certain times to just feel that sensation and allow it to kind of stretch your insides to be able to tolerate that kind of, that amount of sensation. And that that comes with um, experience and seeing what's the impact afterwards of actually doing that. Um, We all have different levels of tolerance to different internal sensations And part of being resilient is being able to not be activated by large feelings, but if you're going to be overwhelmed by them, then it's really nice to have a repertoire of dumping them out so that they don't sit in the body and fester. Uh, And oftentimes, if we're really in touch with our bodies, we'll feel that little bit of a hint of unfinished business in our arms or our legs or whatever, and given permission and even maybe sometimes accompaniment in actually doing those motions. And you can do them big, you can do them small, you can do them slowly, so you you can really bring a mindfulness to them And uh, sometimes that uh, when I watched uh, Maver raise her arm the second time, when you did that, there was so much in there. It was like, whoa. If you had slowed that down and really gotten in touch with all of the whatever is in there, it goes beyond concepts and language in a deeply healing way. And some of those then lifting the arms or whatever can become actually a resource for certain senses of empowerment. And you only have to even maybe think about raising your arm to to create that sense of empowerment inside. So working with those nervous system releases and sometimes they just happen you know you're burping or you're you're hiccuping or you're wanting to pound the walls or whatever um to to greet that with a playfulness or a curiosity at least and to say that the body you know this famous um title of the book, The Body Keeps the Score, it really, if you can listen to that body, um, there's mountains of wisdom and um, not just wisdom, but awe at what goes unnoticed inside. And that this community resiliency process just tries to keep bringing your attention. Whoa, look at that what do you make of it look at that experience it more fully play around with it make it bigger make it smaller whatever and um that while we can do this training just verbally and with little games or whatever you could also teach it entirely through dance entirely And it would be so alive. And it would speak to an audience that you would never get in a workshop. So um, just to uh, put all those things together. Anyway, that's enough for me.
1: Um, uh, Mary, would you like to respond?
3: Um, I just want to say I agree. I don't know. When, when do we start? When do we start moving together? I just want (laughs) to practice, you know, I just want to try, try things out. That's what I want to do.
1: Yeah. Um, I I think I'm ready. Is everybody else ready? Shall we try? Uh, Brother Fatman, did you want to share anything?
0: I'm, I'm just resonating a lot with what's being shared. I think that, uh, yeah, it's, um, the word that just popped into my mind is kind of magic. <laughs> and what I think that word comes in because we're talking about, I don't know, left hemisphere, if you wanna use that label, like we wanna label and categorize and find everything and then there's this deeply intuitive felt sense and it's it's just been oppressed for so long (laughs) you know by our culture maybe there's a survival mechanism as a species we utilize for several thousand years to do certain things um so i try not to get negative to like give it a negative spin i I try to look at all the feelings and cultural movements as part of our uh, evolution and growth but I do feel like we're on a, on a new cusp where we, we get to reclaim this part of ourselves that's been as a humanity. So that ties it into the justice work for me. That like we're reclaiming our ability to feel on some level. So I just, I'm yes and yes, uh, I'm in agreement. I think that I love that when um, Melanie was talking about, you know, like touch something, you know, when I do uh, the listening circles that I do, I have this nice brick wall back here, and it's just very it 's like cool and it's got it 's like solid, and so I often find myself or i 'll do this like the hands have so much energy and power in them, just like hand on the heart hand on the wall, and i'm like, okay um, I w- maybe i'll just add one one thing that I do is that um, Maybe I like challenges. So I like bringing this into a space where people are also communicating, like going back and forth, sharing information verbally too. And there's body language stuff. And what I often invite people to do is just slow down. And I, I, I think that fits with the playfulness. I'm, I'm, I'm really, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I wanna bring more of that in because slowing down, it's like, oh yeah, I can play around with my body and my feelings and the words that i'm hearing someone use and even maybe even some of the pain that i might feel that's come up because of what someone said so um i like pauses a lot okay let's take a pause i often hear myself do let's take a pause do use whatever resource i use the resource language too like I have, you know, I try to list them off, but you know, like I think the tactile one is just so important. Um, I have this intuition that's a good place to start, and I'm wondering if that's where other people start, like the sense of weightedness, contact with something on in in the flow of gravity. It just seems to be very helpful for folks that I've worked with so far to do that first. But I'm I'm quite curious about all the different uh, resources. Sometimes for people that have had trouble in the body, I know that the visual, the soothing visual can be um, helpful. So anyway feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but I said what I needed to say, I think <laughs> I'm good, to, uh, thanks
1: for That's listening. for nice. <laughs> uh, Okay, shall we, shall we transition to some dance led by Meva? All right, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yay. So, um,
3: I'm just gonna frame our thinking, uh, collective thinking uh, for a couple of minutes and then, and then lead us into trying some, some things. Um, so camera on, camera off, is up to you. Um, and I'm hoping to primarily um, be uh, a sensorial guide for us uh, for a little bit. So as I said before, um, dance is action-oriented, like activism and it needs movement. And both require that we put our bodies in motion in order to accomplish something in the world. Um, But also dance is an an aesthetic practice and often people feel intimidated um, by the use of the word dance because of the aesthetic connotations uh, layered over that word. I often use movement instead of dance uh, in my teaching in order to make it less intimidating. But I think that I don't want to let go of that um, aesthetic connection because I think that there's power in it. So uh, I feel that dance can give us a connection to beauty that is not focused on a superficial judgment or assessment of the body, but rather is focused on a production or generation of beauty that emerges from the movement that we accomplish with the body. Right. So in a way, it sort of allows us to decenter, like the judgment of the physical and the flesh and moves us into an assessment of um, the sensed and also the effect. Right. And and I th- and I also want to connect that to social justice. Right. Like the beauty of the movement is in what it can generate and produce it's the beauty of the movement for social justice is in its effects in the world. Um so movement that isn't inspired by justice and, and that's saying like, okay, my aesthetic is going to be justice, like what if my aesthetic is justice <laughs> and that's what i if justice is beauty, then I'm gonna make that my aesthetic and then uh so movement that is generated. And inspired by justice is driven by this beautiful intention. And so we can think about moving towards justice as beautiful motion. And, um, and this is inspired by uh, something that um, a teacher of mine, her name is Soyini Madison, Dr. Soyini Madison, um, one time said to, to us in a classroom. She was like, use beauty to seduce them into justice. Hmm. And I thought that was really powerful. And I never forgot the power of that, right, that I could use my art um, to invite and seduce people and make the revolution look attractive um, and, and and make people want to be a part of it. Um, and not just that, but move with me into it. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is like, in order to, to know how to move beautifully towards justice, um, we need to have a clear intention. And often, you know, in my thinking, in my practice about like, how do I connect to that intention? Um, I think about love as a, power, a powerful engine for movement and for dance. So I try to inspire my movement and like breathe in the love around me in order to be motivated by a a positive, powerful force towards justice. Um, And so what I would like us to do is just to close our eyes and find a comfortable way of sitting. And with eyes closed first, breathe in love. And in that, practice of breathing at your own pace in the ways that it is comfortable to you, I would like us to start trying to breathe into the back of our head from the inside. What does the base of your head feel like at this moment? So allowing the breath to play and touch that space between your neck and the base of your head on the inside. And in that practice, I would like you to just wiggle your head around and try to feel that space and as your head slides in whatever direction, just connecting to that space and becoming aware of the feeling there as you breathe into it. And continuing to breathe, I would like you to continue to feel through your spine one vertebrae at a time. And as that movement goes down, you can continue to wiggle your neck in whatever direction. And find spaces of release. Find spaces that feel like they need some room. And through the practice of the breath, I would like you to try and make some space for that movement through your neck. And as it gets to the top of your back and it moves down, then that finding space and making space is going to also engage your rib cage. And what I would like you to do is to try and find space in your chest cavity for your breath. Through gentle movements in whatever direction feel necessary. Whatever direction feels comfortable and like the most useful for you to find space. Through your back, through your ribcage. And as it continues to move down and you continue to activate your torso, feel your stomach muscles engage and help you and support that search for space. For space for that happy, joyful, pleasurable wiggle that might provide some room for you to move. And think of your spine as a flexible, fluid thing. And it can spiral and wiggle gently at your own pace in whatever direction it needs to go in order to make room for movement. And continue to move down your breath. As you connect, however you're you're seated to the floor, whether it's your chair or you're seated on the floor, bring it down to your tailbone. So that means that your pelvis also is activated and it begins to feel loose and expansive and make room for your breath. And continue to think about breathing in love into this intention. And now think about the gestures of love that you give and receive every day and what everyday movement or gestures are involved in those expressions of love, of care, that you give and receive every day. Those physical actions require the body to be complicit. So as you continue to breathe, allow your limbs and your chest to be inspired by those gestures and to transform those gestures into free movement. You may map out things from nature with your hands. You may repeat movements of everyday care It may look like picking up the phone to call somebody you love. It may look like prepping food and touching the things that you're going to eat. It may look like an appreciation of nature, serving a glass of water to yourself or someone else. but what everyday gestures of love and care can we channel through the body? What does that look as we map out these things abstractly and allow for that movement to be free and to also make space for the breath into those gestures? They are uniquely yours. They don't have to represent anything that's legible to anyone else. You created some space so you can involve your head. You can involve your shoulders and rib cage and your stomach as you flow in through movement. So I would like us to just continue in this soft practice. I'm going to play just music for a few minutes and just make room for you to just feel your way through this movement. Yes, without a directive in a while. So take advantage of this moment to just move freely. The purpose is to breathe through the sensation and to experience a sensation of beauty in action. tension back to your breath start to stabilize your body continuing to feel connected to the ground and to all the parts of you that you were able to awaken in this practice harnessing that energy taking a deep breath and collecting that energy in your belly, bringing it to your heart and out as you exhale. Thank you all for um, participating I even broke a little sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But I hope you're feeling activated, warm, loved and recharged for the work.
1: Thank you, Maverick.
3: Um, I, feel so like- I don't know if um, if you guys, I, 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 I would love to know if that is in any way, um, that kind of practice is in any, in any way related to the work that you guys do um, and or what came up for you or how are you feeling? Um, any responses or thoughts? I would love to hear.
0: Um, I feel some relief in my body. Oh you can't hear me? I think I'm unmuted. Can you hear it seems me now that
3: everyone else is muted.
0: Can you can you hear me? Yeah? Can you hear me, Maver? Can you hear him, Maver? Uh-oh. This looks like a technical uh, issue. Maybe we'll
1: wait. Should we wait? Yeah. Can you hear me now, Maver?
3: I can hear you guys hear this,
1: yeah. Okay. And you can hear Brother Fulfillment? I
3: can. I can I,
1: Yeah. Okay. I was just saying I
0: feel some relief in my body, and that is um, I also noticed a uh, 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 kind of the this wave of deep grief for the world that i, I tend to carry around. It was nice to move with that uh, and um you asked a question about, is that connect to, <laughs> cause I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no, I don't invite people to dance, but I try, <laughs> but that's what I want. The, that's the, the sense of what happens, I think, when I have people communicating with each other. And I don't know why that seems like so familiar when I'm doing it through like people slowing down and connecting to their feelings and talking about them. So I have no idea why that feels so familiar. And that also makes me think that uh, it would be a great thing to incorporate into some of the sessions that I do already. <laughs> Those are my thoughts, it's my feedback, but I, I really enjoy it. I'm really grateful. Sparked all kinds of things in the in the
2: unknowns and questions. So thank you very much. Yeah, and I was
1: feeling the back of my head, just a feeling of elegance and um, a sense not respect is not the word, but something where some appreciation of the elegance of just imagining my, seeing myself like from behind seeing that place. And yeah, so just like, yeah, that was a feeling I had. And then um I, I like to pet my dog a lot and I have a lot of love for my dog. So like I was, but I I didn't feel like the the movement of petting, but the feeling that I got from doing it and then letting that just express itself. So I was really just enjoying that uh, feeling also.
2: Um, And just, um,
1: I'm remembering my brother, he, he, Studied dance uh, in college, and then he was saying, like, human beings have been dancing far longer than they've not been dancing. It's it's like totally weird that we're not dance social dancing on a regular basis in in any human culture. Um, so so just the feeling of just yeah, just very simple seeing and feeling in movement. Um,
2: that it's just yeah like more and more and more and more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I'm wondering.
3: Um, I'm I'm really interested in integrating some some more of the the things that you guys all well, that you all have been uh, have been talking about into. Into this uh, this physical practice, I think that there's just so much synergy and so much that that can be explored. Um, and I mean, and I think that dance has a lot to offer to healing uh, healing practices for sure. And we
2: don't dance enough. Nowhere nearly enough. So. <laughs> um i 'm not uh young and uh, supple like the rest of you, and my partner is uh even more decrepit than me um, but uh, we tried an experiment this week uh, I put on a um, some rock and roll from the uh, late fifties. <clears throat> And we, uh, we danced all of the typical movements like where you reach between your legs and you pull your partner through and flip them over. We did that. We, of course, we didn't do it exactly the way um, you see in the movies, <laughs> but it was hysterically funny and the body responded even in micro movements, you know, it doesn't really matter, um, as and the body remembers and it remembers along with the music, and it was probably the highest moment of my week last week, and we just laughed hysterically, and there was nothing lacking between that and what. <clears throat> what we never were able to do anyway uh, in the 50s. So um, <clears throat> I think uh, we had a moment, uh, Melanie and I, uh, there was a uh, a group of women, very, very, very traumatized, living in a, a community that was incredibly violent. Um, this woman had her hands... And face blown apart as a child from a, a bomb. And she considered herself very ugly and worthless. And uh, we had a moment where we sat, uh, we stood around in a circle, and we put on traditional uh, Arab belly dancing music, and this woman came alive and it transformed the whole room. The knowledge of her trauma and the way her body moved so beautifully. Was that an incredible moment, Melanie? It was just, it was, I it just brings it right up with me. And we used that as a resource. Not only was the dancing in that moment, Rebalancing all of our nervous systems, but you can bring that moment back in your mind and it's just as effective and the music and all the women dancing. It was Magic. So uh, So glad to remember that. Thank you. That's
3: wonderful. I've had similar experiences with, for example, um, even also, um, with, with, with guided movement, with, um, movement that you're instructing or directing people into doing and finding resistances and understanding like the, why you can't do it is actually about trauma it's not a physical limitation. Um, so then in the in the in the working through, um, there is this like incredible emotional release. Um, and in particular, I, I mean I've been teaching mostly women, not only, not exclusively women, especially not here at the colleges, but um, but in my kind of uh, community practice, mostly women and, and young people, and I find that especially working through pelvic movement is, um, it ends up being, <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right, but it ends up being a, a, an important space to try and understand the traumas that we carry in the body and also release them. Um, or find some other re- way to, of relating to our pelvis and to the body that um, is not limited by those experiences. Um, so it's a way of finding possibility, um, and so and it is it is it is slow work, and it is um, a kind of both. It is like a cognitive, physical. And spiritual work Um, and also it takes a lot of development of trust and comfort um, with me and in the group Um, so it it really is something that like you have to develop community you have to develop intimacy intimacy becomes really important um, to be able to to do that work and I also want to, um, in in the spirit of transparency, say that like not not every room is available for this work. Um, that there are. That there are ways that often we. Um, right, not not every space is safe for that work. So I mean, it's something that I have found in my experience of of teaching. Um, Takes uh, a lot of work and care to build, and sometimes is not fully successful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you always make some kind of progress, but um, we we have to work through our social conflicts often um, in order to. To make progress sometimes. is like teaching dance sometimes feels like organizing, you know, and is the same uh, in the sense that, um, you know, you have to work through your political differences in order to be in an affinity group and like be able to do actions together. And sometimes you, you, you get to, you know, you compromise and you move forward and sometimes those tensions remain, you know, so um, So I just feel like I want to be conscious of that too, that um, every, every, every community, every group, every room is full of, you know, every, every person is a universe and we bring so much. So
0: Are we out of time, John? Or,
1: um, well, technically the panel's done, and now we're doing the dancing part of it. But We've already done the dancing part of it, so we could keep talking uh, for uh, ten minutes more. For those that, yeah, if, if someone needs to go, they can go. But um, there's ten minutes left on the schedule.
0: Something just came up for me as uh, you were sharing there, Maver. I don't know if it's all right. We can just
3: share it. Yes, yeah.
0: And also what Joanne said, two things. One was this image of da- dancing, like the uh, rock and roll dancing in the 50s I don't know, that brought a real smile to my, and joy, like just I'm just amazed also at our ability to transmit information, even sometimes when we weren't there, you know, (laughs) like just like the the capacity to go there with people is so profound and are empathic. And that's what's making me think like, oh, that's why it feels like dance, partly because it's this empathic response that you're evoking. And I was like, oh, that's why it feels so familiar. and I just wanted to share two moments that were really powerful for me in the recent being out on the street here in New York. And I have been thinking a lot. I have been really contemplating, like, what's it like to be on the street in these spaces where there's all this organic energy, different kinds of anger. Sometimes people are celebrating uh, and Like, what does it mean to plant the seeds of this presencing or in some kind of organic way by how we we bring ourselves into that space? And I just, I have one memory. One memory was in a big march and this group of folks I know playing music together. And there was a pause moment in the march and this circle kind of spontaneously formed and people started dancing in the circle, which is really, this is a really amazing moment, bro. I was like, it was such an expression of power and joy at the same time in resistance. And this, it really made me connect to what you are saying about justice because it's very much a movement for justice and how beauty is so important in that. In um, a few other spots, there was a, I don't know, the city hall here in New York was occupied for some time, a park near there. And it became a refuge for homeless people. I say that in a way. These, and we even changed that because some of these people, they chose not to live in houses, so we changed it to houseless, right? some by choice. But it became a safer space than the average city space because there was more of a community for but I got this perception of like dangerous from those with more privilege, you know. But it was just very organic and sometimes there would be fights between people. And just like, I think for me living with the tension, the reality that not everyone is uh, at a place where they can hold space. But being in that mixture felt very, like a real gift to be in. And sometimes there was dance, though in that space and sometimes there was like intimacy around you know emotional connection so it was just this very remarkable kind of living organic process that was often I guess maybe this is a thing to throw in. it was often quite uncomfortable and maybe that's what you're talking about too maybe like this like finding where it's uncomfortable in the body is our trauma and how we move, and like being in a space with people who are feeling anger or you 're not sure of the culture and this kind of moving and dancing maybe with discomfort seems like a really important thing for our healing it's and and like adding the supports that help us do that somehow. well, thanks for letting me share a
1: little. Yeah, for me, uh, when I was in college, I learned meditation and body center trauma therapy, and I took dance class, and I-
3: um, My laptop is having on and off sound issues, so, huh. um, so I'm, I'm, I may miss a word or two of what's being said. It's coming in and out for some reason.
1: Okay. Um, and, uh, it's being recorded too, so you'll, you'll be able to hear, <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Well, oh, wait a second. I can pause the recording. Okay. Can you hear me now? maybe? Okay, cool. Um, So I was saying how when I was in college, I I took dance classes, I learned how to play West African drums and played the drums for dance classes. And then I learned to meditate and I learned, I I did body center therapy at the same time. And um, so for me, I think like meditation and then Buddhism and the teachings from Buddhism that are so much based on contemplative practice in the body. So it really, um, it supports or cultivates being in the body as well as the, the experience of intuitive knowing or awareness and not not uh, conceptual knowing or awareness and um, so then just the feeling that as a culture in general um, in the U.S. if you just go through the regular system, the system doesn't necessarily teach you how to be in your body and it will try to privilege the conceptual mind over the embodied knowing mind. Um, and and how that can lead to addiction, trauma, dehumanization. Um, so I feel like there's a really rich space for inter-exchange inter between any kind of body-centered practice um, through art or dance or, um, yeah, like, I, even I'm thinking, like, pottery, making pottery. Um, so just embodied knowing as something that... Um, with Buddhism, it's normally you see it as sitting or walking slowly or... Um, Maybe chanting or things like that um, but but feeling like that it's it 's the same overall uh, body centered approach intuitive mind approach, and so then yes i 'm really interested in and in how um, yeah like well there 's a um, a theologian from ghana who who he talked about. Um, There's a word, I can't remember the specific language and and African language, but it's basically knowing through moving like you, you know something through through the movement of it. That's how you know. And so as opposed to our Western model, that seems more just conceptual mind is how you know something but really you don't really know something (laughs) Uh,
3: Um, I wanted to just quickly respond to what brother fulfillment said about protests and um, Protest is actually choreographed movement. Um, like marching is choreographed movement. Um, uh, we have also ve- like recognizable gestures, like fist up, like wherever we see this image, it's, it means something. So there's also like, uh, in, in, in recent Black Lives Matter protests that I've um, attended, also protesters are taking a knee collectively um marching through the s- streets and occupying space like these are all intentional movements they are about the how they're collective they're effective and they have meaning to us but also um as i as i was instructing you guys or guiding you
2: into um breathing into like We we lost your sound, maybe.
1: So I just want to thank everybody for participating, and then I will I will follow up after the conference to create spaces for people to stay connected with each other to keep. being able to work with each other and um, collaborate. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I'm hoping then with this panel and all the other panels of the conference, it's just the beginning of a conversation and in which we can keep exploring further together. Uh, OK, so thank you very much for participating today. And uh, if you are interested, the next event will be at 7pm um, Bhante Sumita, who's a monk, a Sri Lankan-American monk, will be um, giving a talk. Um, and now we can hear you, maybe I think. Oh, you can hear me? Yeah, it came back.
3: Oh, wonderful. I just yeah. wanted to say thank, thank you to, to all of you for everything that you shared, and thank you, John, for organizing us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, thank you.
2: <laughs> so alive.
1: Cool.
0: I want to organize a workshop of some kind, we should have fun, a playful, uh, inter, inter, interweaving or something.
1: Yeah. Okay. Have a good afternoon. Um, and then for those that are interested, we'll, we'll start again at seven. Okay.